We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Jermaine O'Neal, and you're listening to Setting a Pace on PaceofTalk.net. Pacer fans, welcome to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. Today it is me, myself, and I, and the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's going on, brother? Alex, I'm thrilled. If you're a Pacer fan right now, I don't know what you can complain about this offseason because this is quite the offseason we're having right now. Yeah, so who is your favorite TJ? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I I love what TJ McConnell brings to the table, but I got to say TJ Warren is probably going to be the MVP of TJs on this team. All right, well, since we're talking about TJ Warren, I put a tweet out yesterday that kind of got some – interesting feedback where i mentioned that i would like to see the pacers start when when victor's healthy uh lamb over tj warren in the starting lineup and a lot of people are like no way i'd rather have warren so let me just ask you this Fachi. do you think tj warren should start over uh jeremy lamb once oladipo's back i do i i do know that you know tj warren played i believe it's 99 percent of his minutes at power forward last year for the suns but that was in Phoenix. I view him as the, the starting small forward on this team, and I think he was a great insurance policy if Boyan left, which he did. So with Jeremy Lamb, I love what he brings to the table, but you're getting a little bit more size with TJ Warren. You know, 6'8 compared to Lamb at 6'5. Uh, I think small forward is his more natural position. So I go with TJ Warren as a starting small forward, but make no mistake about it. If they went the other route, I think TJ Warren could be one of the leading six man of the year candidates off the bench. Well, that's what I kind of want to talk about. So I think if you're looking at six mans, I think that TJ Warren is a better six man than Jeremy Lamb is. That's nothing against Lamb. I just looking at last year's, you know, rotation. I think Jeremy Lamb started in 55 of the games. He was arguably Charlotte's second best player. Now, I know they were not a playoff team, but they were very close to making the playoffs. I had a nice run there. He hit some major shots, but I don't think that Lamb is going to be a guy that needs the ball, where I have a feeling that TJ Warren might be a guy that does need the ball, someone that they want to run the offense through. And I can see Warren being more of a Tyreek-type player, like, you know, where they wanted Tyreek to be. Not necessarily who Tyreek was, but, you know, they were wanting the the second unit to run, run through Tyreek Evans, and I think they can do that with TJ Warren a little bit better than Jeremy Lamb. And I just think that, you know, Lamb playing next to Kemba Walker all year, he won't have any problems adjusting playing next to Brogdon and Oladipo. And really, Brogdon is such a solid defender, I think that he can guard the best wing player out there, and then you put Lamb on the other one and then put Vic on the third best wing player out there. So really, to me, I just think defensively, I think Lamb's a better defender than Warren. Warren is not known for his defense. I do think that 
you know, the Pacers' defensive schemes might be able to help him grow as a defender. He's still a young player, so you can't write him off, obviously. But I know this is a little bit deep to start a podcast off with, but I just wanted to address this since we were bringing up the TJs. Um, but I like TJ Warren. There's nothing that I don't like about his game. I just want to see him improve on defense. And I think he'd fit in fine with the starters as well. I don't have a problem with him starting or not, but I would rather see him come off the bench. I think that scoring punch of him and Aaron Holiday could be super awesome where I think that Jeremy Lamb might be more of a calming voice and more of a just a control-type player next to Holiday that might be a little bit better fit. But I just like that scoring punch off the bench with T.J. Warren. Now, a lot of people even said put Sabonis on the bench and start T.J. Warren. Uh, you weren't a fan of that, were you? I wasn't, and I'm not trying to be the, the Sabonis homer, but this man is too good to be coming off the bench. He would be a starter on a lot of teams, uh, I do love the, the Tyreek Evans comparison that you made with T.J. Warren because it, in a certain situation, he should be that number one scorer of the second unit because I do think that Jeremy Lamb fits the starting starting lineup much more because he doesn't need as much where T.J. Right. Warren at, at times, you know, if he's not getting the ball enough, I mean, you're going to have to try and find other ways for him to really help the Pacers out. And I do think if you put him with the second unit, he could be that number one option. So I think if you're going to go talent alone, yes, he deserves to be the starting small forward on this team. It is curious to see you know, what they go with. My gut says that TJ Warren is the starting small forward on opening night. Yeah, and I think honestly like we might see these two guys kind of compete for that position as well. Especially with Oladipo out, they're both going to start for the time being. That's what it looks like. So... You know, I'm a fan of this. I, I like both players. I, I really like the fact that we got Warren for basically nothing. And I like the fact that the Pacers can play him at the power forward if there are teams that are going small. Um, but like we saw Philadelphia and how they have one of the biggest lineups in the league, you know, now you can go big with Sabonis and Turner. The Pacers just seem to be a little bit more uh, diverse and a little bit more versatile than they were the last couple of years. So I do like, you know, the thought of bringing Lamb into that starting lineup for the reasons that we mentioned. And I, I just, with Warren, I'm a little concerned for a couple reasons. I think that my, out of all the guys that we've added so far, he's the one I have the biggest question mark with because he hasn't been able to stay healthy, number one. And number two, he's been on a very bad team and put up good numbers. We've seen that happen before. Look at Tyreek Evans with Memphis. Look at Evan Turner with the Philadelphia 76ers. It pretty much feels like every time the Pacers bring in a guy that's been on a bad team, it's been a bit of a letdown when they come to the Pacers because, you know, it's a different type of offense. You know, there's a lot more pressure to score the basketball. You know, you're not on this team that's basically trying to get a higher seed in the draft. So that's one of my things with that whole situation. So TJ Warren's going to really have to prove himself. I have no doubt that he can become a great Pacer, but I, I got to see it first. You know what I mean? I completely know what you mean because the two examples that you used, Evan Turner and Tyreek Evans, are the definition of being the best player or one of the best players on a really bad team. And guys, I know that TJ Warren averaged over 18 for each of the last two years. I do not think that's going to be the case next no. year. And I don't want it to be the case next year. I see him as being, you know, trying to be more of that third, fourth option on the team. If we can get 15 points out of TJ Warren, that would be great. I, I think yeah. you could see him averaging maybe 14 and a half if all goes well, but just being another option for this team. And that's one of the best problems to have is having all of these options. So, you know, when you compare this offseason to last year, I mean, ooh, so far we are blowing it out of the water and we are not done. I mean, last year, opening night, the move was made to bring in Doug McDermott. And now you, you were scratching your head wondering, okay, what's next? Right. Uh, it took a while. You brought in Tyreek Evans. Everyone was really excited for that and then you topped it off with Kylo Quinn. Now this year obviously we've seen a lot of faces come and go. The Pacers have lost, you know, almost half the roster, but I think that the upgrades that they made, I think the people they brought in are upgrades and for that I'm really excited about it. Well, let's talk about it. So let's talk about the guys that have left the Pacers from last year's team. Kylo Quinn, Wesley Matthews, Corey Joseph, Bojan Bogdanovic, Thaddeus Young, they all have found new teams. Darren Collison retired to become a Jehovah's Witness. And then Tyreek Evans, of course, was suspended for the next two seasons from the NBA. I don't think that David Jacoby realized that when he was on Get Up. Uh, so, yeah. sorry. A little embarrassing. Sorry, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, Tyreek's not going to be around for two years. But anyway, the guys we brought in, we brought in five new players. 
We signed T.J. McConnell. We trade. Uh, we signed Jeremy Lamb. We traded for Malcolm Brogdon. We traded for T.J. Warren, and then we drafted Goga Batate. So, when you look at the you know arrivals and the departures, how much more did we upgrade this roster? I do think that we upgraded in a stance that the Pacers got a lot younger. All right, yeah. now the average age of this team is twenty four and a half. The oldest is twenty seven. Uh, T.J. McConnell is twenty seven. And I believe there was a, there was another guy who was a Vix twenty seven. Jeremy Lamb's around it, that age too. Uh, Vix twenty six. Is he twenty six? So yeah. So okay. just turned twenty six in May. Okay. But uh, e- either way, I mean that the, the oldest guy on the team is twenty seven years old. So I think that the Pacers have gotten younger. They've gotten you know just uh, they could play a faster style of ball. Um, I, obviously, hey, that's no knock on the veterans that we lost. Everybody knows how valuable Thad Young was. And we love Bogdanovich. Collison, hey, if he retires, there's nothing you could do there. But I do think that we upgraded at point guard for sure. Right. So uh, I am very happy about that. Kylo Quinn, hey, I, I love Kylo Quinn for just what he stands <laughs> for. As like He's just a, a great guy to have in your locker room. And he didn't demand much playing time or anything of the sort. But I don't think that we lost anything there. Okay. Tyreek Evans, that's another guy. It, it wasn't even an option. He... He made a couple poor decisions, and he's out of the league for two years. So right. uh, I'm loving the moves. I mean, Brogdon, that was a guy that we've been raving about on yeah. setting the pace. Okay, so let me, ask, let me ask you this yeah. real quick, because there's Brian Windhorst went on his own podcast, The Hoop Collective, and he also went on the Woj Pod, and he mentioned you know, a very interesting tidbit. He said, Herb Simon got on the phone with Milwaukee, and he said, look, we want Malcolm Brogdon. We're going to offer him this contract, but we don't want to do an offer sheet. So is there any way that we can do a sign-and-trade? We'll give you a first-round first pick, which I believe is lottery-protected for five years. Yes. And then it becomes unprotected after the sixth year, but I'm pretty sure it won't be uh, the Pacers' pick next year. And then they also gave up two second-round picks, which they have acquired throughout the last couple of years from different moves they've made. So, you know, Herb Simon goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, apparently, and says, hey, we want Brogdon. You guys aren't going to match this number. Let's make a deal. Very interesting because I've heard reports saying that the Bucks were not going to match this offer, but you do get the reassurance of nobody else can come in here and offer a, a higher, you know, offer sheet to Malcolm Brogdon. So you do get your play. You do have to give up a pick, but in my opinion, this is absolutely worth it. You have got to prove to Victor that when he is a free agent in a couple of years, that this roster will be on the same level of you know time-wise for their careers with him because if you bring back Thad, Collison, Bojan, those are all guys in their 30s. And I, I don't think that's a, a winning type of mentality to have. I mean, we love Bojan, but I, I'm glad we did not offer him four years. That would have been a bad move in my, in my opinion. Uh, going back to, to the comments that you know Herb made or allegedly made, I, it just sounds like such an old school thing. If, if that is true, I find he, it hard he to believe. He is old school. That's why yes, he is old school. He's like and, the, and the pay, the Pacers so hate signing trades. They don't like restrict, restricted free agency. Just that's why they that. did it. But yeah, for sure. And to a certain degree, I'm glad that we wouldn't have been tied up and, and waiting on it because I don't that's think true. Milwaukee would have matched. Now, just look at these uh, timestamps that I saw. At 6:27, Ricky Rubio signed to the Suns. At 6:28, Bogdanovich signed to the Jazz. So here I'm thinking, oh my God, what just happened for the Pacers? At 629, Jeremy Lamb signed with the Pacers. And by 631, Malcolm Brogdon signed with the Pacers. <laughs> That's how quick things were moving. So to to a certain degree, the Pacers had to act fast. I don't know if they actually had to give up a first-rounder. Maybe it could have been just a first-rounder. You could have kept the second-rounders. But we had so many second-round picks. I mean, it was almost like free candy. Just anyone <laughs> could have had one. Right. So to the point, hey, the pick is very protected. So... We, we've seen the Pacers trade a first-round pick in the past for Luis Scola. That didn't work out. I feel confident in the Malcolm Brogdon situation. If you're going to give up a pick, you had to be aggressive. You know Indiana typically isn't a player's number one choice. But, hey, we did what we had to do, and I don't regret it. Yeah, I don't regret it either. And what I love so much about this team is the ability to create shots. We got our shot creators that we've been talking about. Brogdon is not a one-on-one isolation scorer. That is not his game. He can do it in small bunches, but I think he is a beautiful complimentary player next to Oladipo. I absolutely love their fit together. 
that is going to be a pretty big backcourt. I mean, aside from Philadelphia, they're probably the second largest backcourt in in the NBA. I mean, maybe the Eastern Conference. I don't know about everything that's going to happen out west, but right now, I mean, six foot five, two hundred and twenty nine pounds. You add Brogdon as your point guard. That is a huge upgrade from Darren Carlson, who is six foot, you know, one hundred and eighty pounds. And, you know, couldn't guard anybody. So we get a super good defender on the wing next to Oladipo. you gotta, you got to just put everything in perspective here because we don't know what Oladipo is going to be when he comes back. But I think that the moves the Pacers have made, getting in some solid wings, really helps this process of bringing Victor back uh, a little bit more smooth because you don't have to, like, rush him back. You don't have to force him back. And what I saw from Jeremy Lamb last year in Charlotte Focci, I am actually... Super high on this, and I can't believe we only got him. I only had to pay him $10 million. That was a steal to me. A steal. Absolute steal of a contract. And as you mentioned before, I strongly believe that he was the second best player on Charlotte. Uh, He's actually coming off a career year. So for him to sign for $10 million, I thought was just just unbelievable. Um, I I love the move right over there. And just overall, I mean, I know you mentioned one of the the bigger backcourts. That's got to be one of the best defensive backcourts um, in the NBA, definitely in the in the Eastern Conference. I mean, for sure, for sure, I, I love that backcourt. So I think that right now you just got a bunch of guys that can just continue. I mean, the Pacers have always played a, a defensive mind state. You know, that have been that kind of team. And with Brogdon and Oladipo, I mean, that's that's what you're getting. Brogdon does a little bit of everything well, and yeah. for that, he's a very unique player. I know it's now, we've talked about it before, it's it's obviously gotten tossed around left and right, being part of the 50-40-90 club. I mean, right. Brogdon shot over 50%, over 43% from three, and then 93% from free throws. I mean, I, I was sharing the stat the other day, the Pacers were tied for 22nd in the league in free throw percentage, and you just added a guy who shot 93%, and then you added Brogdon, who shot, I mean, uh, Jeremy Lamb, Lamb who yeah. shot 88%. Yeah. So and that, that's like an under the radar, you know, move that you just you gotta love. And TJ McConnell is also a pretty good th- uh, free throw shooter. So just overall, I mean, I I just I love it. There, there's there's nothing I could I could argue with here. Just the Pacers, just across the board, made the right moves. And uh, hey, th- I think this offseason has honestly exceeded expectations. Sure, we all wanted D'Angelo Russell. Everybody did, and Kemba Walker, but. That mostly that would have been it. We ended up getting a bunch of positions to fill. We filled a lot of holes with this team, and this Pacers team is looking pretty deep. Yeah, there's still one player away, I believe, with that second unit. I really want to see them find another power forward. I don't know how much I believe in TJ Leaf, so I would really like to see them upgrade there. Jermichael Green is somebody that's really on my radar for a perfect fit. He's you know, J. Michael from the Indy Star, I don't want to steal his comparison, but basically he said that he is a Thaddeus Young type player who can shoot the three. Now, I don't know if he'll be on the Pacers. I think if the Clippers do indeed miss out on Kawhi Leonard in the next couple of days here, that he could easily return back to the Clippers because the Clippers are very adamant about keeping their guys together, which has been reported. So that's one of the things that I'm kind of still waiting to see. But with McConnell, I don't believe that this messes with the room exception. I'm not sure how much cap space the Pacers had available, depending on how they load these contracts. From what I've seen, if they backload them, they could have close to 5.3, 5.8 million, somewhere in that range. So they could literally just take TJ McConnell's contract into the salary cap they have and then still use that uh, player exception um, on another player. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. Do you think they have any more trades up their sleeves? So uh, I believe coming into this, they had five point five million, and then of course the four point eight million exception. And I almost wish I had gone before you because Jermichael Green is the guy that I want. <laughs> he really is. He's coming off a career year, average essentially ten and six. You're talking about forty eight percent shooting, nearly forty percent from three. That is your true backup power forward there. Yes, he's someone who's ready to play right now that you're not going to have question marks about. Uh, TJ Lee, you still just don't know. And at times, sure, he looked good, but I don't feel comfortable going into the season with him as the backup power forward. So I felt like Jermichael Green, a guy who's been a full time starter in the past with Memphis, um, you know, a career eight and a half and six rebound guy. That that's the guy that I want to circle in on. Also, if we're going to look for another power forward. 
Marcus Morris is someone who I am interested in. Uh, I think he'll get more money elsewhere. So, so, so do I. So do I. I, I think I, Jermichael Green is more realistic, though. Yeah, I think I think Marcus Morris is going to be a Los Angeles Laker, regardless of what they do with Kawhi or without Kawhi. I believe that he will take a a pay cut to be on that team. Now, Mark Keith just signed with the Detroit Pistons uh, a couple a couple uh, hours ago. So. Let's kind of just talk a little bit more about Brogdon because I feel like we really haven't given him, you know, the credit that he deserves. We have been talking about this for probably three or four weeks going into it. This was the guy that we pretty much wanted. We didn't know if he was going to be obtainable. And my biggest thing is, hey, you offer him that contract and then kind of make that become the poison pill to the Bucks if they want to match it and really tie up their cap for the future. So, you know... But I never in my mind thought the Pacers would actually go through with this. The Ricky Rubio constant reports from so many people. At first, I was like, you got to be kidding me. As I kept coming, I was like, man, this is just a bummer that this is really going to happen. But then as they just kept talking and talking and talking about it, Fachi, something just hit me. It's like, this isn't going to happen. There's just something weird going on right now. I don't feel like the Pacers really want Ricky Rubio as their first option. So... When I saw that news happen that he went with the Suns, I think I was happier that Rubio went to the Suns than I was that we got Malcolm Brockton. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know what to believe because the way it had been spoken about, I mean, even on the podcast last week, the way that you were talking, it sounded like it was a done deal, knowing oh, that like Rubio will be going to the Pacers at 6 o'clock. And that day on Sunday, I mean, that's what all the reports were saying, that deal is expected to get done slightly after 6 and when he left, I didn't know what to believe because point guards were flying off the market. They, they really were. And it seemed like at that point, D'Angelo Russell was, you know, I mean, even Russell out of nowhere went to Golden State. So <laughs> I, I just felt literally. So I just felt like I, I didn't know what we were going to do. The Brogdon situation, just as you mentioned, you know, even if we had say we missed out on him, but we really just put Milwaukee deep into the tax for years to come. Sure. That you know, that's uh, that, that's not a bad you know strikeout right there. But to get him was way better, and the fact that we didn't have to wait a few days made it even sweeter. You know, okay, whatever. Hey, this. was yes. the, was giving up that pick worth waiting the six days, or not having uh, to wait? Worth not having to wait for the six days? Yes. You think it yes. was? I I think so. I mean, you look at the Pacers and before we've talked about it. Trades is where you get your guys. That's how we got Thad Young. And I don't, re- I don't regret it. Sure, the pick ended up being Curry's Levert in the past for the Nets, but who's to say that we would have picked Levert? So yeah. Thad Young worked out great for us. Brogdon, you had to pay what you had to pay, and I don't. It's not like we gave him like a hundred million dollar deal. I mean, he got essentially twenty million dollars a year. It's a thing. It averages out to twenty one, and a couple of years from now, I mean, that might actually end up being a very reasonable contract. And if Brogdon, if you're looking at his career trajectory i mean he's gotten better each year he's the only ever rookie of the year to come from the second round i thought that's impressive you're getting a guy that was a bad year too for it it really was i remember Joel Embiid was in the running with 37 games played in technically (laughs) his third year so yes there there were no options but it still counts i will take it we got a rookie of the year and his name is not michael carter williams because he's the rookie of the year who's being floated out year after year uh, I love the move. to the magic. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, and come on. The pick will probably end up being between anywhere from 20 to 25. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Are you at all concerned about Brogdon's uh, injuries that he's had over the last couple of years? I'm not. I mean, it's say it's, it's a demanding league. I know he's had plantar uh, fasciitis in the past. Uh, he had, I think he had the, the thumb injury or whatever. That's not something that continues. Well, the, the foot thumb. is the one thing that he's had to deal exactly. with his whole career. And that's why he yes. fell to the second round. It, it is. It is. But I just think that th- this stuff has happened in the past. I mean, there's a ton of guys that have had injuries, you know, and, and end up having great careers. I mean, look at Blake Griffin. Missed his whole rookie year, but he's had a great career. Yeah, but so it's always it, fell short to injuries. Yeah, yeah, it has. That's but a bad I, comparison, Fachi. I got to call you out. It's a bad comparison. I don't think you do because Blake Griffin just had arguably his best year last year. Okay, did you see him in the playoffs? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, he didn't oh, make it. Okay, for the that's a terrible comparison. Come on, man, give he's me had, something better than he's that. Been, he's been an All Star many times. I think oh. Brogdon for for what the situation was. Name a player out there that we could have gotten better than Brogdon. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, are you worried about his injury concerns? And you bring up Blake Griffin as a reason a guy can overcome injuries. You got to give me something better than that. 
Sure, there's plenty of guys out there. I, I love the move. You got to take the risk if you're the Pacers. You have to. Yeah. That, no, it, and I'm with it's you. Not I'm like, with you. We didn't have just a you know a plethora of just point guards waiting to sign for us. We were aggressive. We got it done. Just as Pritchard said he'd be aggressive, and he was. I love it, Fachi. I love giving you a hard time. You get so mad at me. You get so worked up. You, you try to deflect it, but let's just be honest. You messed up on that one. We'll move on. But anyway, yeah, I, I, lo- I love Brogdon, man. I love Brogdon. I think that that was the move the Pacers needed to make, and it really does help their wing depth. Now, I get it. He will probably be the point guard, but I don't think that that necessarily means that he will always run the offense. I think that this gives Victor an opportunity to kind of play a point guard position, but not feeling like he has to play out of position. Let the offense run through Vic. Let it run through Brogdon. I'm not a, you know, I'm not upset with them running it through even Sabonis at some times, Jeremy Lamb as well. And they've got Holiday. They've got really good ball handlers, guys that can, you know, you know, do well in the pick and roll. So I, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by that. Turner as well is really good in the pick and pop game. So we'll kind of see how all this plays out, but I do kind of want to reset here, Fachi, and I want to talk about um, how we look roster-wise compared to the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, Pacers fans, we are back, and we are going to talk a little bit about the other moves that the rest of the teams did in the Eastern Conference. So, Fachi, where do you want to start off? I mean, obviously, the Nets are probably the winners of free agency. Uh, I think that, obviously, Kevin Durant's not going to play this year, but they were already a playoff team that added Kyrie Irving. He added uh, John Drew Jordan, and when Kevin Durant gets there, it's it's going to be one of the teams to beat. You still don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. And then also, I mean, look for guys to start signing cheaper deals to, p- to potentially join Brooklyn, like Wilson Chandler just signing for the minimum. Yeah, and don't forget Garrett Temple. I think he's a sneaky pickup as well. Someone that's a solid 3 and D player that could fit in right next to those guys, and you don't really have to think too much about it. So, yeah, I mean, the the Nets are probably the big winners, getting both Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But we mentioned injuries in last segment. Are you at all worried about Kevin Durant coming back fully healthy from his Achilles injury? Uh, Guys, who really comes back fully healthy from an Achilles injury? Uh, When you look at the list, I mean – most of these guys, I mean, their careers have been altered by the Achilles injury. In my mind, is the worst injury in sports. Yeah. Look at Demarcus Cousins. There's not even a market for him right now. It's yeah. it's sad. Um, I know he also had the quad injury, but I mean, there's guys like Rudy Gay. I mean, Rudy Gay was in his prime when he tore his Achilles, and sure, sure, he had like a bounce back year, you know, last year. But it's not the same as what it used to be. Kobe uh, Bryant. Wesley, Kobe Bryant, sure, we could say, hey, Kobe was older, but he was nothing the same after that. Oh, he was And then awful. look at a guy like Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews, Matthews never shot above 40% again since that injury. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys where it's a – Isaiah Thomas, sure, was back in the day. He retired when that happened. So it's, it's probably the worst injury for Kevin Durant. He's just so good that even if he's only 75% of the player he was before, it still seems like that's just someone you had to roll the dice on. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't blame Brooklyn one bit for bringing Kevin Durant on. I just was curious your thoughts on the injury. And then, of course, we've seen kind of the up-and-down roller coaster that Kyrie Irving has been in the NBA. So I'm a little bit, you know, just intrigued by what he will do with Brooklyn. I like that they. I like their team, though. I really do. I think that they're a solid team. Without Durant, though, next year, I see them around the 4-5 range. I don't see them much higher than that. They mm-hmm. could they could fall back to 6-7. It wouldn't shock me at all either just because they have a lot of turnover. And then, of course, you know you have no Durant. But I think it would be very dumb if the Brooklyn Nets did not start Jared Allen and they started DeAndre Jordan instead. I would put DeAndre on the bench to back up Jared Allen because D- Jared Allen was one of the best b- blockers in the NBA last year. And I think that they need to just keep – you know, raising that confidence up by starting him. And I think that, you know, DeAndre Jordan is kind of regressing as we as we know it. He is. And I also think that bringing in DeAndre Jordan, while he's still a good player, not as good as he was before, it was the, the move that you had to make in order to really get Durant on board. Apparently they are very close. And to be able to sign Durant, I know that also, I mean, to, yeah, to sign Durant, 
you had to bring on DeAndre Jordan. It's believed that Kyrie and Kevin Durant might have sacrificed a little bit of money to get DeAndre Jordan's that $10 million mark. But make no mistake about it, you can't stunt the growth of Jared Allen. I think you need to start him, have DeAndre Jordan play a veteran leadership role, which he actually did play with Mitchell Robinson last year in New York. I thought that helped him big time, and the Knicks were pretty uh, complimentary on that. Yeah, well, let's talk about the Boston Celtics now. They added Kemba Walker and Enos Cantor. They lose Al Horford, and they lose Kyrie Irving. Did they take a step back, in your opinion? Maybe based on the potential that coming into last year when it was Boston's going to win the East. Right. I think that now they're they're pretty much right back where they were, I think. Obviously, the loss of Horford, I mean, he's very valuable to that team. Canner's no slouch. On defense, he definitely is. But I think that you're adding Kemba Walker, who I think is going to fit this team much better. Yeah, I think that Kemba is just – I've never heard a bad thing about Kemba Walker. And I think that guys like Tatum and Brown are going to love playing with him. And imagine Kemba in a winning situation. I mean, that guy is going to do anything possible to have a deep playoff run. I love what Boston did because there was a couple days where it looked like it was all coming to an end. And just like that, Boston's back. Yeah. I do think they need to find somebody a little bit better defensively to play that center position over yes. Enos Cancer. I kind of like Cantor off the bench for Boston. I don't know if I like him starting, but we'll see what they do. They also let go of Aaron Baines during the draft, which was another pretty solid you know, move to get rid of him because he, Had a clear was, I mean, he, was, he was a really good player, though, for them, someone that fit their system well. I'm not saying he was great. I mean, he only played about 20 minutes in the Pacers series. But I just think a guy that can rebound, you know, somewhat protect the rim, he would be a nice complimentary piece to Enos Cantor. But they did add Romeo Langford. They did add uh, Ty Jerome. They added Carson Edwards as Carson well. Carson Edwards. So, yeah, I mean, they your, had a lot. Your boy, Taco Fall. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's an Exhibit 10 contract I know, player. I know. So I don't think he'll be playing much. But, you know, we're really going to get a chance to see Simi Ojale get some more minutes defensively as well. So I'll be interested to see what they do defensively. I think there's still a move out there for them as well. But um, I like what Boston did. I don't think that they necessarily – like you said, took a step forward as far as championship contenders, but I think that they will be a better team chemistry-wise. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do I do enjoy that pickup. Now, let's talk about the craziness of them all. Al Horford going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, what's his face? Tobias Harris. Sorry, I could <laughs> skip my mind there. But Tobias Harris resigns on a max deal, right, or close to a max deal. And then yep. they trade Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat because Butler wanted to go to the Heat. For Josh Richardson, what are your thoughts on this new look Philadelphia 76ers team? And they got Kyle uh, Quinn. Yes, they did get my boy Kyle Quinn. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that, you know, Jimmy Butler just, for whatever reason, I mean, I read that the way that the Heat really just kind of sent Dwayne Wade off, really oh, I don't kind buy of like touched that. Jimmy Butler. I don't touch that. I don't buy it either. I think he just probably wanted more of his own team yep. and to be in Miami – and just kind of have that situation. Uh, I thought you had to re-sign Tobias Harris. He's now probably a, the richest contract of all time and never make an all-star game, actually. Um, okay, how many? He's that, got a five-year max, right? Yes. I believe it's 180. Okay, how many years until he gets traded again? Hey, it, it, it could be. <laughs> he, that man gets shopped around the league, he, especially the Eastern Conference. He's played for... Quite a few. The Bucks, the Magic, uh, the Pistons, the, the Sixers. Bucks? Yeah. I believe so. Pistons. It was the Pistons, right? Pistons, yep. Magic. I don't remember him playing for the Bucks. If he did, that's yeah, crazy. May- maybe I, it wasn't, I but... It, I thought he started... I definitely Orlando, remember the Magic. The Pistons, and then he went to the Clippers. Yep. He, he was uh, drafted to Milwaukee Bucks. He was drafted? Yep. How many played years did he play? Two years. Two yep. years? I remember that. Tobias Harris um, played for the Bucks. Yes. Why do he I did. not know this? Because it was the beginning of his he, he was not the same player at all. Did he even get minutes, or was he just like a third yeah. string player? No, no, he did. He averaged like five points per game for them both of those years. <laughs> what? Why did I never know this? I thought he was drafted by the Magic. Well, no, no. He got significantly better when he got traded over so, there. So who did they trade for him? Uh, this doesn't really matter, but I want to know now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Here, you, well, you keep talking and I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, sure. You look it up. Anyway, um, the Al Horford move, I think that Joel Embiid is going to benefit a lot from having Horford over there. I think now you have two 
defensive bigs, but also Al Horford was Joel Embiid's kryptonite. He really was. And I thought while bringing Horford to the team is big, uh, the contract was a little bit bigger than I would have liked. I know that uh, they think that with like incentives that are unlikely to be achieved, like you know winning the championship, the deal could reach $112 million, but it's more like $97 million guaranteed. That fourth year is only partially guaranteed. I don't think that he'll probably see that contract through. I think he'll be there for probably three years. But for Philly, it was looking pretty dark at one point if if just Jimmy just walked. And JJ, so to, yeah. And JJ walked. We almost forgot about him. Well, speaking Josh of JJ, that was the trade. They traded basically for JJ Redick. Well, speak of the devil. There, there he is. We there we go. It all ties it together popped now. up at the perfect time. Exactly. <laughs> um, I love JJ Redick. You know I wanted him. I thought it was interesting to move him going to the Pelicans. Uh, I think that's a great move for them. I thought it was interesting for him. Yeah. Um, but Josh Richardson coming to Philly, that's a good move for them. Uh, to be able to actually get rid of Jimmy Butler, have him not walk and get something back, it's pretty good. Okay, so with Al Horford and Josh Richardson taking basically the place of J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler, did they get better? They might be exactly where where they were last year. I mean, think about it. They lost on a game-winning shot in Game 7. So if a, if the ball bounces the other way, they could be in the conference finals. Are you worried about their so, spacing at all? I mean, it, it could be. Who's who's going to shoot a three on that team? That's what I'm saying. Are you worried about yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't have three-point shooters. I mean, I've seen some amazing memes going around. Oh, Brett Brown looks in the huddle. Four seconds left. They're da- they're down three. Who's going to shoot it? And they're all just kind of oh, staring going to be Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be Simmons at all. Uh, I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I feel like Embiid's going to want that shot, and I don't know if you want him to take it. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how that team does come together because I have no idea what to expect. I think they're going to be good. I think that adding out Horford, he's just a really smart player. They'll probably run some of their offense through Horford. I think you know we might see Tobias Harris get a little bit more involved offensively instead of just being a you know a, a spread player because that's kind of what he was last year with Jimmy Butler. He just kind of help spread the floor, even though he wasn't the most consistent three-point shooter for the Philadelphia 76ers. But, yeah, overall, I do really like their pickups. I'm not sure how it's going to all work out, but I do believe that the the, the talent's just there, and I think they're going to figure yes. it out. And like I mentioned, like they might have to trade Tobias or Josh Richardson just to get a little bit better, but that's okay. I mean, what if they ended up trading one of them for D'Angelo Russell? That would, make kind of, that would kind of make sense because they need another guard that can help facilitate and can – you know, knock down threes. I mean, I don't I don't know what to expect, but I, I do know this. I do like the fact that J.J. Redick is going to a team where he can kind of help mentor some guys. You know, New Orleans is up on an up-and-coming team. I don't know if they're going to be in the playoffs next year. A lot of people are prematurely putting them in there, but I don't see it right now. I like Jimmy Butler wanting to go to Miami. I like that, you know, he's going to help Miami be a little bit more competitive than last year. I like seeing that the fact that he's going to be on that team, which makes it a little bit more compelling for the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, for sure. So yeah, I mean, I have them, I think around the two, three spot right now in the Eastern conference, but a lot of it just hinges on what Kawhi Leonard does with the Toronto Raptors. And we still don't know, but all signs are pointing at him going to the Lakers. I don't know if that's a media driven thing or what, but it just feels like Kawhi is going to be on the Lakers. So if he's on the Lakers, is this Raptors team, you know, they're, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs still, but where do you see them at? Uh, it's not going to be good, Alex, because their, their whole offseason has been designed to keep Kawhi Leonard. I don't think they've made a single move. And if Kawhi Leonard leaves, Danny Green's leaving also. Right. And then you're looking at a team where now you're wondering if you almost blow it up because Marcus Gasol has a $26 million player option. And then Kyle he Lowry. He opted into that. So he's got, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he he's coming in, so. back. And he's on they his last legs. They could shop yes, him, though. It, but I think they have to. Serge Ibaka's on his last year, too, I believe, as well. And Kyle Lowry. Yeah. So, I mean, if if he does walk, I think they could bring it back. Insert OG Ananobi once he's fully healthy from his uh, appendix coming out. You have Fred Van Vliet there who played amazing for him. I mean, I think they still have a very competitive starting five. They do. They do. And I do think still think that they're a playoff team, but they're more of like looking at, like, I think that sixth seed because – yeah, I think you're going to be around there, and that's if everything works out. Because you got to also factor in 
you know, when they went from DeRozan to Kawhi, I mean, each of the last few years, they had been around that one seed. Yeah. So now you're taking off just your go-to score in each of the last, you know, few years, and you got older uh, in terms of, like, Lowry and Gasol and all that. Like, it's it's going to be a lot. I see them more if Kawhi leaves around that sixth seed, I do. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's but interesting. Th- it's hard to figure out where they're going to be at, right? It is. But what I want to know, and this is the pivotal question, where do you see the Pacers at? Okay, so we talked about the other teams. We really didn't talk too much about Milwaukee. So I'll just throw this in real quick before we go to the Pacers. I think Milwaukee will probably be the favorites if Kawhi doesn't return. If Kawhi does return, I think they'll be around the two seed. I just like what they did. They lose Brogdon, but they bring in Wesley Matthews, who is probably going to be a better fit for that team than he was for the Pacers because they will actually have a go-to scorer. They bring George Hill back. They bring in Robin Lopez. I love that pickup. So I think they've made some really solid moves. But anyway, the Pacers. So I put a tweet out yesterday, and I said, if Kawhi returns, I see them as a sixth seed. I had the Nets, the Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, and Raptors above the Pacers. And the only reason I say that is because we don't know when is coming back, and we don't know what he will be when he comes back. So yes, I think the sixth seed is fine, and I think they could cause some problems if he does come back and, he, and Oladipo is like 100% ready for the playoffs. I think they can upset a three seed if they're the sixth seed. But I think that not having that score for a good chunk of the season is going to affect their win-loss record. I mean, for sure. Uh, the Oladipo, you know, health situation is everything. If he comes back healthy, and, and they are saying potentially around December, possibly, um, I think this Pacers team is is loaded with talent, and I think their second half of the year could be really good. I, I'm higher on them this year. I have them more as that four or five seed. If Oladipo was healthy to start the year, well, yeah. I think we're pushing. I know, but I'm thinking we're pushing for three if he's mm. healthy, if Kawhi does not return okay so who's one and two then philadelphia milwaukee i think milwaukee is definitely slated in at one as they deserve to be and philly you you probably put them at two assuming they stay healthy as well okay so i think then, we're right there and for brooklyn brooklyn for me is <laughs> you know brooklyn and the celtics they're they're play, they're for sure playoff teams but they don't scare me they, no, i think they're not this year. good teams yeah exactly they're good teams but you can't definitively tell me that they are better than the Pacers when Oladipo is healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's because we're, we're built so differently. Um, I really like the dynamic of having Oladipo and Brogdon locked down defenders on the wings with Turner protecting the rim. Now, everyone's going to make a fuss about Warren and Sabonis not being able to guard, but if you got three terrific defenders out there, you can figure it out. I think the Pacers scheme will help Sabonis and will help Warren become better defenders. I am not concerned about their defense right now. We haven't seen them play. So obviously it's kind of hard to say what their defense is going to look like. But I I have confidence in them. So what I will say is this, Fachi. I will say this as far as if Oladipo were fully healthy. I think there's, and and Kawhi leaves, I think there's about three tiers. So the first tier to me would be Milwaukee and Philadelphia. I, I love what the Pacers have, but I just don't think there's anybody on our team that can stop Embiid. And I know how much Horford affected both Turner and Sabonis last year. So that will be our kryptonite (laughs) going up against those guys. But I think that we have an advantage at the bigs and against Boston. I think we have the advantage against the bigs against Brooklyn as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Now Toronto, I think that we're probably pretty close with them having Gasol and Ibaka. I think that's that's a pretty fair comparison to compare them to Sabonis and Turner. But it's just older, you know, a little bit more older players. Yeah. But I think they kind of fit each other. So I think that's here. The first tier for me, I'll just get on to my point real quick. I'm rambling, sorry. But the first two, the first tier, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. The second tier, I would have Indiana, Brooklyn without Durant, and the Celtics. And then that third tier, I'd have probably somewhat of Miami, Orlando, and Toronto. Yes, I, there's nothing I would disagree with there because I do think we're just just right below the Bucks and the Sixers right over there. If Kawhi leaves, I mean, come on, we're, we're better than that Raptors team for sure. So I, I like the Pacers' chances. Like I said, I think I expect them to have a strong second half of the year with Oladipo healthy. I think they can really make some noise. And say something did happen and they did fall down to that sixth seed, I mean, come on. We would be that team that would be able to pull that upset. Uh, I mean, if they're going to face like a perhaps like a Brooklyn in round one, I think that would be a battle 
So oh, I, I like think the we could take Brooklyn in round one with them. Oh yeah, if they don't have Durant, especially. Exactly. So I I really love the situation right over there. Uh, but I do have a quick question for you going okay. back to Brogdon. Okay. Biggest free agent signing in Pacers history: David West or Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah, I put that tweet on Twitter, and I did a Twitter poll, but obviously I didn't vote. So yeah, I th- you- and I think that it's still kind of hard to determine because it is. You know, I think I think I'd probably just lean more Brogdon because of the age. If uh, David West hadn't had come in during his you know early prime, I would probably say David West because of just how talented he was. But Brogdon has not been an All Star. He's got injury problems. He was on a team that won sixty some games last year, but they had the MVP of the league. So how will he fit into this team? It's still to be determined. But if I'm making a, a guess right now, I would say Brogdon is probably a better player uh, long term than David West. But it's really hard to say that because. David West meant so much of this team. He was so good in New Orleans. He was a huge part of what the Warriors did, just being a locker room voice. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's different dynamics, but I think overall talent, just the defensive uh, mentality that Brogdon brings to the table. I love it. I love what he brings defensively. Definitely brings some different stuff to the table. I'm going with David West just because I felt like he changed the culture of the Pacers team. I felt like he took that group to the next level and you know brought being a former all-star brogdon hasn't made the all-star team yet while i do think he could have a higher ceiling of potential because he's younger and has a lot more of his career left he's not coming off of an acl tear like david west was the west signing was just like he really chose us mm-hmm. you know and i felt like for brogdon sure it was through a sign and trade and, and the pacers went after him but david west chose us and he changed the culture i think brogdon is right below there and hey if everything works out over the next few years that it could end up being the number one. So for it to be even in the top two, I think that people who aren't Pacer fans don't realize how big of an acquisition this really is. Well, didn't Malcolm Brogdon pick us? Well, I mean, he signed his you know tender, but we signed traded for him. A lot of guys will do that and then go back to their team just because you, hey, you have an offer to match. I felt like in that situation, David Wright out, outright chose us as an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, see, I, I still think that Brogdon picked us, though, in a, in a sense, because he had to agree to the terms to come to Indiana knowing that, hey, if I don't get my offer sheet matched, then I'm going to be in Indiana. So I still think that he kind of had to approve wanting to come here. I mean, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, definitely. For sure. For sure. He's also approving that price tag that comes with it. But I, I think that... Uh, but is I'm it really that bad of a contract? I mean, 20, 22, I think it is 21.25 maybe? Because it's four for eighty-five, so it looks like twenty-one point two five would be an average salary for his four years. Which, like is I said earlier, close to what Oladipo's making. I think that's a completely fair contract. I, I like I like the pickup, and I think with the cap spiking up, it's not going to look that bad. I, that's what I was saying earlier in the podcast. I think that a couple of years <laughs> from now, you're going to see that this contract is is a very favorable contract. I remember when the Pacers took on Oladipo, and I thought. $80 million over four years. Like, whoa. <laughs> and now he's drastically underpaid. Yeah. So I, I think that that's just what happens with these deals. I mean, soon Damian Lillard, he just signed a contract where he's going to be, I think, the first player to be making over $50 million in a few years. <laughs> so it's all up from here. Yeah, it really is. And you know what? Next year we could be in the same boat as Milwaukee was with Sabonis. And we could, we could bring him back or we could figure out a way to – you know, strike up a deal and trade him if they don't like this pairing together. I don't. I know you don't really want to hear that, Fachi, but it is something that if this experiment does not work with those two at the power forward and center positions, um, that we could really, you know, take advantage of if they don't envision, you know, Sabonis and Turner together, and if they don't want to pay that starting five, you know, close to an average base of twenty million a year, that'd be eighty million dollars pretty much tied up into your starting five. If it doesn't work out. Someone is going to run that price up on Sabonis for sure, and I think it's going to be scary to match. So if it's not going to work out, I want to get ahead of it. Um, and, and you know, you got to be honest with yourselves at the deadline. Do you think the Pacers will extend Sabonis before the season starts? I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's it's tough because if it if they do, it pretty much makes them untradeable. Exactly. It really does. And I think that right now, for what his contract is, I mean, and 
how young he is, 23 years old, what he's bringing to the table, I think that he's a very attractive piece to a team. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this as we sign off here. Minnesota made a lot of noise and did absolutely nothing. Um, and we heard that Minnesota was up to something on multiple podcasts. And D'Angelo Russell was the name that was continued to be linked to them. And that fell through. He goes to the Warriors. If the Timberwolves continue to strike out and be a mediocre team at best, there's a player on that roster that might have made a trade. Carl Anthony Towns. Would you offer up a significant amount of assets to acquire Carl Anthony Towns? Almost everything. Okay, so what's off the table for you? Oladipo. What about Brogdon? I mean, hey, if if that's what happens, that's what happens. If you can get Carl Anthony Towns, I think you can get one of the best players in the NBA moving forward. He's still so young, so good, and I do think that he could be that next guy to ask out. Of Minnesota. I see it. I really do. I know everybody says Bradley Beal, but I see Town just getting fed up with Andrew Wiggins and his shenanigans, his, you know, continued desire to stay mediocre. Uh, Jeff Teague as a point guard, you know, someone that we really can't trust as a, as a future, you know, day in and day out starter. I just don't trust Jeff Teague anymore. I don't know what it is. He just kind of seems to have regressed over the last couple of years. But for me, man, I just... Turner's got eighteen million, you know. Turner and picks, maybe even Holiday. Would you would you give up that package for Carl Anthony Towns? Would you give up Brogdon and Turner or no? I would, and I do you it would real give up, quick. You give up Brogdon and Turner for Carl Anthony Towns? Uh yeah, I definitely <laughs> would. Uh, I definitely would. This is Carl Anthony Towns that we're talking about, and the only way to get him would be by trade. I don't think that we would be at the top of his list. So if you got to be aggressive to make it happen, do it. But if it's going to be one of those situations where he's got one year on his deal, uh, I I don't know if you want to do that because chances are I think he probably walks. Go- oh, it looks like we lost Fachi there for a second. Hold on one second. Fachi, are you still there? And I'm back just okay, like cool. that. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking if, if it's only one year left on the Carl Anthony Towns deal and you have to trade a lot of picks like we saw for the Anthony Davis situation, I don't know if I'd do that. You'd have to be in the perfect situation similar to what Toronto was in where you think, hey, let's go all in. And in that situation with Toronto, they really didn't give up that much. He gave up DeRozan and um, I don't even remember. His, uh, some I forgot the backup center on the Spurs, but Jacob Pottle. And a first. So that was really not much. If you're the Pacers and you have to give up, it's Turner and, and Brogdon. You know, and it, if you still have Sabonis on the team, I feel comfortable. If Sabonis is gone, then I, I don't think so. Yeah, I wouldn't, have to be aggressive. I wouldn't give up Brogdon and Turner. There's no way I would do that for Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I'd give up Turner and Holiday maybe, or Turner and multiple picks, but I ain't giving up both those assets. I mean, look at what you said with Toronto. I mean, they didn't give up Pascal Siakam, and they were wanting him from in that move, and they gave up. DeMar DeRozan, who the, the Spurs are rumored to be getting, wanting to get rid of. And they also traded uh, Yaka Pertle to, to the Spurs as well. So, you know, not not game changers. I mean, yeah, what the Lakers did for Anthony Davis is one thing, but Carl Anthony Towns is not in the same boat as Anthony Davis. No. He's, he's top 20 player, don't get me wrong, but he ain't the top five. So no. I think that I would be hesitant because I think Kawhi Leonard is much better than all those players. And so it just really just depends. I mean, look what the Pacers gave up to get Paul George. Oladipo and Sabonis. Okay, well, no offense, but at that time, I think that Turner and Brogdon would be lands, a landslide over what Sabonis was at that moment in his career in Oladipo. So it's just I think that I would look at it. But with that being said, it's not going to happen. I just wanted to talk about it for a few minutes because I just am interested to see you know, what happens next. But I'm very happy with this team that we have now. I'm excited for the future. I think that more moves could be made this season. And I think the Pacers might be a little bit active during the trade deadline this year. I think that Pritchard looks a little bit more aggressive than he has in previous seasons. I think so. But got to get your thoughts before we sign off. TJ McC- McConnell acquisition. What does this do to the playing time of Aaron Holiday? Nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think so either. What, I don't understand why people are like, oh, I hope this doesn't affect his playing time. Only way it'll affect his playing time is if Aaron Holiday can plays, plays like complete doo-doo for the majority of the season, and the Pacers are like, okay, you have really regressed. But I don't see that happening at all. I think McConnell will come in and be equivalent to what Kyle O'Quinn was last year. I put that out on Twitter. I think that he will eventually essentially be just the guy that is the third-string point guard, good locker room guy. You can count on him to play hard when he is called upon, but you're not relying upon him in crunch time situations and playoff situations. I think Holiday is a great, great backup point guard for the Pacers, and I think he's a much-needed improvement over Corey Joseph. Sorry for all the Kojo fans out there, but, you know, I just like what Holiday brings offensively a little bit, and I think that he's actually a solid defender. I, I really like the TJ McConnell pickup. I think that he's someone who is a very team-oriented guy instead of a me-oriented guy. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to make Aaron Holiday better. I mean, we saw TJ McConnell undrafted. I mean, always, always just counted out, beat all the odds in Philadelphia. This is a guy who's a scrapper, and you need one of those guys who just he's not going to need that much playing time when he's called upon. I think that he'll always be ready, and most of all, like I said, I think he could be someone that can just get the most out of Aaron Holiday, and when he's called upon, he'll be ready to contribute. Okay, last thing before we leave, I just got to do this because it just hit me. Out of all the moves that we've made, whether it's been the draft pick, the trades that we've made, or the signings we've made, we've made five moves. Rank them one through five real quick off the top of your head. I think I think in significance, Brogdon's got to be number one just because you, you really now, I think you shored up the point guard position. Uh, number two, I think T.J. Warren. Honestly, the T.J. Warren trade, it just came out of nowhere. Right. Really not giving up anything and getting a guy who can, you can slot in at small forward. I mean, if Bogdanovich walked, could you imagine the hole at small forward right now? Oh. Sure. <laughs> it, it would be tough. And then three, uh, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, okay. Jeremy Lamb is, is just such a good acquisition. Him getting like $10.5 million or a little over $10 million a year, we could have paid 13 for that, and I wouldn't have blinked an eye. Yeah. So I love that. Then all of a sudden we got, uh, you know, uh, you said five moves. I'm counting four. Uh, Goga and McConnell. Well, Goga. I thought you meant offseason, like free agency. I said the like, draft. You know, like, okay, sure, sure. Then yeah. uh, I put Goga, then TJ McConnell. Okay. I think I agree with everything you said, except I would flip Lamb and, and Warren. I'm really high on Jeremy Lamb. I love this addition. I like it more than the addition of TJ Warren. I know people are like, well, that's crazy. But I just like Lamb's overall game. Warren, to me, is still a question mark. But, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that I'm interested in. So let's wrap this up, Fachi. I hope you have a very amazing 4th of July weekend with your family and friends. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to my mamaw, Mamaw Niker. She turns 80 years old on Friday. So my family from Ohio is coming in town. We're going to celebrate that. So Pacer fans, enjoy the next couple of days. I'm sure we'll be hearing a little bit more about free agency throughout the rest of the week. Enjoy Summer League. Goga Batatze will be there in Las Vegas, it looks like. Still kind of waiting on some of the visas to get figured out, but I think we'll get to see Goga at Summer League. And other than that, Fachi, I hope you have a great time, man. Thanks a lot. Have a great July 4th, everybody, and thank you for the continued support. You guys are truly the best. Hope you have a wonderful July 4th. Yes, and we thank all of our new followers on Twitter as well. I know if you guys are still here, we appreciate that. But all of our new followers, we finally got over 1,000. Thank you guys so much for your support. We would not be who we are without you guys. And we have been writing some articles on PacersTalk.net. we got some Summer League stuff coming for you. We did some, you know recaps of where the former Pacer players went and how that affects the Pacers. So make sure you check that out. Sam Sinclair has been doing a great job on that. And so for all of us here, we will talk to you all later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.